you held back the flood waters for the for your people as they were crossing the Red Sea. And Lord, more than we know, I know that you're defending us, protecting us, keeping us from harm. Lord, this morning we ask that you'd breathe life by your spirit into the words that are spoken today. May they take root in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, this is the fifth in six messages that I'm uh, bringing the things that I think are the most important things to leave with you. This one might surprise you at one level, but not at another level. I'm going to talk about work. Uh, more appropriately, maybe you should say faithfulness. Faithfulness to what we're asked to do. Would you describe yourself as a workaholic or as a slacker? Yeah. Workaholic, you, you might know it. You might not even know it because you're so used to it. Driven. Does your family say you work too much? Have you sacrificed some things in your family for work? Uh, do you feel like you just never catch up. You can never get enough done. Have you burned out? On the other end, would be a slacker. Workaholics don't like slackers very well, and slackers don't like workaholics very well. Slacker is somebody who really isn't very motivated. They're just not very uptight about life. They look for they look at the clock, they're clock watchers, can't wait for this to be done, can't wait for the next break, and so forth. Well, there's something in between that probably would be a good thing, but what I want to acknowledge first of all this morning is that work is God's idea. Some people believe that work is a result of the fall, it's not. Work was God's idea in the, in the beginning. I thought it was my mom's idea, but it was God's idea. You, many of you would remember me telling about my mom finding the dirty novel in my underwear drawer and putting me to work on my uncle's farm two days later. When I was a kid, we always had jobs. Never a time when we didn't have a job. Someone said, to all employees, due to increased competition and desire to stay in business, we find it necessary to institute a new policy. We're asking that somewhere between starting and quitting time and without infringing too much on the time usually devoted to lunch periods, coffee breaks, rest periods, storytelling, ticket selling, vacation planning, and the rehashing of yesterday's TV programs, that each employee endeavor to find some time that can be set aside and known as the work break. <laughs> My boss, the original boss in the grocery store, I don't remember what the total was, but he said if you take, if you waste 10 minutes a day, imagine how many hours that is a year. I'd never looked at it that way, but he, he certainly had. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Probably the 
one of the hardest jobs I ever had, I think I was in the seventh grade, and I was setting pins in a bowling alley. Now, now you, the, the pins set automatically, but then you had two lanes, and, and between the lanes in the back, there were these machines that had a, str a string on them that you clicked to put them down, and you would take the pins that had been knocked down, put them in the rack, and then go to the next side, put those in the rack, and the second volley through, you reset the pins. But it was back and forth constantly. You never stopped. Back and forth. The seventh grader. And sometimes guys would stay after league, and they'd bowl till 11, 12 o'clock at night. It, it was literally back-breaking work. It was very, very hard work. Always had a paper out or mowing lawns or something. Uh, Work was not foreign to me when I was a kid, and I hope it wasn't foreign to you either. But again, there's, so there's somewhat of a balance there. You may remember me talking about Henry Cloud, who was working on his doctorate. He had his coursework all done, and he was writing his paper, uh, preparing to defend it. And every time he'd think about working on his paper, he would go golfing. Just avoiding it. it just seemed so overwhelming to him. So he read in the scriptures one day, go to the ants, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. So he went down to the pet store and bought a ant farm and watched the ants just working and working and working and working and working. So he got a message from that, and he said pretty soon they started calling the slacker doctor. Just by day by day by day, picking away, at what he was directed to do. One of the major passages on uh, work or faithfulness is uh, in Matthew 25, the parable of talents. You remember that one man was given five talents and uh, he was faithful to that, so he was given another five. One had two talents, he was faithful to that, so he gave another two. One man was given one talent and he was unfaithful, so it was taken away from him and given to the man with 10. So the message of that is not how many gifts or talents you have, but what you do with what you have. I never faulted anybody who lacked an ability but worked hard. If they're doing the best they could, then that's all you can ask of them. So according to the Scripture, we are, we are expected to work. Colossians says, whatever you do, listen to that, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. It's not talking about being driven or being a workaholic, but it's be faithful, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Obey them, not only to win their favor, talking about employers, when their eye is on you, but, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly as if serving the Lord, not men, Ephesians 6, verse 6 and 7. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's a pretty strong statement. That if we're a slacker, not doing our responsibility, then that's worse than being an unbeliever. We have different talents, gifts, and abilities. Fill in the blank there. It's going to be on the screen. I have faith that it is. 
There we go. Uh, you know, you've heard the phrase, all men are created equal. They're not. We all have equal value, but we do not have equal gifts, talents, and abilities. I have a friend named Wayne Cadero. He pastors in Hawaii. Used to. He pastors in Eugene, Oregon now. And Wayne could preach like crazy. He could uh, sing like crazy. He was a very gifted musician. He could motivate people to do anything. I mean, he, it just seemed like he had all the gifts. And we would always say, why does Wayne get it all? Why couldn't we have just a little bit of that? Very, very gifted man. We're not judged on how many gifts we have, but how faithful we are with what we use. So whatever our abilities, we're expected to work hard. It's impressive, isn't it, that the man who had one talent and wasn't faithful with it, it was taken away from him, and what was he called? A wicked servant. He was wicked because he wasn't faithful to use what he had. That's a pretty, pretty strong statement. Uh, I remember 100, 100 degree days. See that? See that? It wasn't exactly like that. We had bales, but 100 degree days. Do you know what a Do you know what a hay hook looks like? It's a handle with a little hook that comes out like that. Oh man, that's hard work. That's really hard work. I still have, if I strain my back just right, there's still a, something in my back that's, that's uh, torn because of uh, lifting bales that were too heavy. My uncle had his old Studebaker truck, flatbed Studebaker truck, and we'd go out in the hay field and load that thing and sweat like crazy. We will be held accountable for our work. Grocery store I worked in, they had it was a really wide store, and they had little windows up up above every few feet. And those windows were put there. What do you think for? They were they were watching for people stealing, but they're also watching to make sure that people did their work. There it was very intentional. Those were up there. In the grocery business, once every quarter, four times a year, we took inventory. Inventory is a sense of accountability. How much money did we make? How many expenses did we have? How much inventory did we have? So we're all held, or should be, if you want people performance, then hold people accountable. And then the next blank is we will be rewarded for our work. Your reward is that once a week or once every two weeks or once a month, you get a paycheck. Some of you get a bonus if you did your work particularly faithfully. And long-term faithfulness is rewarded by just getting promoted, doing better all the time. I started out in the grocery store at 19 years old sorting bottles in the back room. I'll never forget the first day they put in the back room and there were about 10 or 15 carts full of bottles, pop bottles, for me to sort in the back room. I thought, man, this isn't what I signed up for. But 11 years later, I was managing a grocery store. Why? Because I, I was faithful. So 
keep showing up. You know, one of the things at Faith Chapel, I remember so clearly sitting in my office and I was complaining to the Lord about, gosh, I spent 10 hours on this sermon, 15 hours on this sermon, and 19 people show up. And I'll never forget the Lord saying to me, you, you, you treat those 19 like you would 1,000 and you'll have 1,000. And eventually the church began to grow and the Lord rewarded that faithfulness. Next blank is our faithfulness now will affect our future life in heaven. Matthew 25, 23 says, His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful of the few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You know what your reward in heaven is for work? more work. It will, what we do in heaven will be determined by what we, what we do here. And if we're faithful here, then we're going to be given great responsibility there. I always tell Ginger I'm going to get San Francisco in heaven because I was wanted to pastor in a big city. And she said, there isn't going to be any San Francisco in heaven. So I don't know who's right. We'll find out. Employer-employee relationships are to be characterized by mutual respect. Have you ever been disrespected by an employer? What does that feel like? Or if you're an employer, have you ever been disrespected by an employee? What does that feel like? The example I use in the Old Testament is Laban. All of you know who Laban was? Jacob went to his uncle Laban, who actually ran away from home and ran there, and uh, he saw this, this beautiful woman named Rachel, and he asked Laban if he could marry Rachel, and he says, yeah, work seven years for me. Now think about that. Work seven years for me, and you can have Rachel. So after seven years, uh, they went into the marriage tent, consummated the marriage and discovered the next day that it wasn't Rachel at all. It was, it was uh, Leah. Leah apparently wasn't the prettiest thing in the world. And he went in protest to Laban and said, I, you promised me Rachel. He said, well, you work another seven years and I'll give you Rachel. Now imagine this. Fourteen years he worked for this woman. Apparently she was, she was worth it. Ephesians 6, beginning verse 7 says, To serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever he does, whether you're a slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both master and yours is, is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So employees are to to treat employers with respect, employers are to, to treat employees with respect. In other words, don't use people and throw them away. Number three, major point is our work is to be enjoyed. Do you enjoy what you do for work every day? Some people may say, you don't know what I do for work every day. Well, I've had some pretty crappy jobs myself. But you can still enjoy the people that you work with, even though you might not, might not enjoy, enjoy the specific job 
that you have. For example, when my uncle and I were hauling hay in the 100 degree weather in the hay fields, on the way out of the field after the load was loaded, we'd stop at the pond and dive in and take a swim. And then go and load the truck and come back and get another load. So you can enjoy people whatever your job is. At Faith Chapel, sometimes it wasn't always fun, but I made it fun. Uh, I don't know if they still do this or not. I doubt it. Nate, Nate probably isn't as tolerant of this as I was, but, but we used to scare each other all the time. I scared people all the time. Some of you may remember me telling about Jane Erickson coming up the stairs. I heard her voice, and she got to the top of the stairs, and I jumped out and scared her. And she said, oh, pastor, I'd like you to meet my friend. She'd never been to church before. So that was a little embarrassing. <laughs> Kelly Olp, who just retired from Faith Chapel. I used to scare him so bad he'd be in the worship center working away, vacuuming the floor, cleaning the bathroom or whatever. And I'd walk up behind him and poke him in the ribs and scare him to death. One day he decided he was going to get me back, so he walked through the neighborhood while I was in the church praying, and he thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sneak up on him. And so he snuck into the church, and he jumped out, and I, man, all I did was just, my jaw tightened a little bit. I didn't jump at all, just kind of like that. He was so disappointed. <laughs> he scared uh, Dave Green so bad one time. Dave Green was praying in the back, back of the sanctuary, and Kelly scared him, so Dave Green, <laughs> he jumped, and he turned around and grabbed Kelly, picked him up, and threw him on the ground. He was so, he was so mad. That kind of broke him of that, of that. So enjoy your work. I remember times in the grocery business when I would watch the clock, couldn't wait for the day to get over. But I also remember when I was working on sermons or uh, as a pastor working in my office, sometimes I think, where did the time go? Or I need more time to get, to get this done. So I hope you can find a way to enjoy your work because it makes life so much better. So I saw that there is nothing better for a man than to enjoy his work because that is his lot. Ecclesiastes 3.22. Then the joy of hearing, well done. I cannot imagine what it will be like to stand before the Lord in heaven and have him say, well done. Rick, you did well. Took good care of your family. Took good care of your wife. You're a faithful, godly man. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to have him say, well done? It's an amazing thing. We have a German shepherd named Jake. I have never counted, but it would be amazing to think how many times a day he hears good boy. You're such a good boy, Jake. You're such a good boy. Now, my granddaughter has a dog named Tobias, Toby. I don't, I don't think I told you guys this. She, te she teaches Toby all kinds of tricks. So she's taught, she's taught Toby how to shake hands, of course, and gives a high five, lay down, sit, all those things. But my favorite trick, and she does it with treats. So there's always a treat. There's always a reward. She goes like this, and, and he falls down dead. 
it is so it is so funny the joy of hearing well done then the joy of providing well for your family i remember once when we first moved here that i i couldn't pay our rent and i had to borrow the money from terry because she was working in a clothing store she was the only one in our family that had any income at that time and how horrible I felt that I wasn't taking care of my family. There's such a joy in working hard and seeing that your family is provided for. Titus 3.14 says, Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. Then there's the joy of helping people that can't work. Do you enjoy giving to people, sharing with people? I remember when we were first here, we didn't have very much, but we had some some canned goods in our cupboards left over from my grocery days, and we filled a bag of groceries and took them over to, to Brenda's house, and the joy on their face when they would receive that. I remember one Christmas, we adopted a family at Faith Chapel. I think they had four or five kids. And we went to the store. We had a list of the ages of their kids. So we went to the store and bought gifts for every one of the kids and gifts for the mom and the dad. And I'll never forget the look on their faces when we went over to their house and presented them with those Christmas gifts. I don't think they would have had a Christmas otherwise. It's a great joy to help people who can't work. He who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work, doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. That he may have something to share with those in need. Not just taking care of your family, but sharing with those who are in need. Then the joy of being an influence to outsiders. Paul said, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may may win the respect of outsiders, so that you will not be dependent on anybody. You earn the respect of people by being a faithful, hard worker. And the next blank is rest is essential if we are going to enjoy our work. Most of you, I'm sure, know the principle of the Sabbath that in the Old Testament, they were in the wilderness, and every day they would go out and find on the floor of the desert manna, enough to eat for that day. Next day, they'd go out and they'd gather enough for that day. If they took too much, what was left over would rot. Just got enough for that day and enough for that day, five days a week. Sixth day, they went out and they gathered enough for two days. And on Saturday, when they did that, or Friday when they did it, it wouldn't rot because they saved enough for the Sabbath day. So the principle of the Sabbath is work six days and rest one day. I had a Seventh-day Adventist one time giving me a hard time because uh, of the Sabbath, and I, so I asked him, I said, do you work six days? Well, I was interested to know whether he worked six days or not. He said, yeah, I do. So I, I admired him for at least living, living what, he, what, he, what he believed in. As most of you know, you've heard my story, so I won't tell it again about me burning out. Three different times I burned out at, at, at Faith Chapel. And the last time I was completely out of it, and it was just because I wasn't taking care of myself. I was working too hard. I was a workaholic. 
and finally just ran out of gas and uh, had to hire a, hire a friend to help me through that crisis. Uh, I remember sitting in this man's office, his, he was a counselor and, and he'd been a, he'd been a, a pediatrician. And he burned out so bad, he said he literally sat on the beach for weeks trying to recuperate from being burned out. So he asked me to go through my weekly schedule. So he said, what do you, what do, you do on Monday? What do you do on Tuesday, Wednesday? Went through every day. What do you do on Sunday? And I told him, he said, he said now let's add all that up and ask yourself, oh, well, no wonder you're burned out. You never learned the value of fun. And I'd never thought about that before. I never learned the value of fun. We just, we learned the value of work, but never the value of fun. So that was a, that was a transformation for me. Ginger knows how to have fun. Every night, she goes to bed at eight o'clock, and she goes, and I can hear it. I'm sitting in the living room, and I can hear her, her TV back there, Big Bang Theory. And then every once in a while, she'll just break out in laughter. You can hear her laughing. What does that make me do? It makes me laugh. One day, we were sitting out on the patio. I think, I think Dave and Terry were here. were there that day. We were sitting out on the patio, and Ginger said, why don't you put the umbrella up? Or let it down, I guess it was. Why don't you let the umbrella down? So I turned the this huge umbrella that was over the patio. I started turning it down, and it was full of water. <laughs> and it dumped right on Ginger. Just absolutely soaked her. I'm not sure I would have reacted like she did, but she just, we were all laughing, and she was laughing with us. It was so, it was so funny. Learn to have fun. It's fun to have fun, isn't it? Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says, Then I realized that it is good and proper for a man to eat and drink and to find satisfaction in his toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions, enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and to be happy in his work. This is a gift of God. Notice that. To accept his lot and to be happy in his work, this is a gift of God. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. Bow your heads if you would with me, please. Lord, I would assume that for many that are here today, they may need to be corrected or reminded they work too much. And there's always a price to be paid for that, personally or with our family or with others. And there are also some who need to be corrected because they are not working faithfully to take care of their family. Lord, I pray that every one of us could learn to enjoy our work, to laugh and to have fun, and to really enjoy the people that we work with. That that would bring joy to maybe, in some cases, a monotonous job. Lord, I'm thankful that I've, I've had a life of pretty fulfilling work. I 
appreciate that.